again folks live in greenwood bonjour shalom and what's up and welcome back to another episode of how you live in where we try to keep you woke and informed with every episode yep the only show recorded in the Chaz tower live in the million dollar studios here in beautiful greenwood seattle washington united states west coast <laughs> earth uh as it were uh Chaz, we're always Asking questions around here, but the one question I like to start off with is, how you living, Chaz? You know what? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Saw Avengers Endgame. Seen it twice now, because I'm that person. I'm that person. And we're not the type. No spoilers in this episode. Oh, yeah. Nah. But uh, definitely would say it's a good movie. People should go out and see it. Fuck yeah. Especially if you like um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where it's kind of gone cinematically over the last basically 20 years mm-hmm. so oh no it's been around 10 years yeah i yeah it's leading up to it yeah that's true but uh i mean i guess i'm just talking about marvel movies in general too oh yeah have, like you might have been high, and... fe- high feed by like yeah or the wolverine and like oh, okay that early x-men and stuff like that yeah 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 i can see that yeah yeah that's kind of the build-up to where we're at now with kind of how those movies are perceived mm-hmm. but uh we like to start this show with a segment, the original segment that we like to call callbacks. Go 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 callbacks. Boom, and uh, and that's just where we take a look at uh, topics and situations and headline making uh, things that we've talked about in the podcast that now have a new life. Then we want to relook at those things for a moment before we uh, jump into this week and this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, man, Chaz, any, uh, anything on your mind from stuff that we've talked about? Uh, I guess Biden now is officially a part of the race. Like before he was just like, you know, polling well and, you know, talking about things, but now he's officially made his bid for the presidency. Right. I got my first official email from him cause I still, he must be using the same, uh, email list for Obama cause I was like on Obama's email list. So interesting. I was like, this is interesting. Yeah, so, but I think the interesting thing about Biden, and I remember before I was like, ew, no, Biden. I'm still ill, no, Biden, because I'm, like, full-on leftist, really, like, in this election cycle. Right. But, like, now it's, like, all this previous stuff he's done as, like, his senatorial record, um, his congressional record, all that stuff is kind of coming out against him. And I don't know if it'll bite him in the ass. Like, and I haven't watched a lot of the stuff that they've been talking about. Right. But I've seen some headlines, like uh, his apology to Anita Hill, people thought was um, a little lackluster and didn't fully grasp the impact that he had on her during that whole Clarence Thomas thing. I know that uh, Senator Warren came out against him when there was this big thing with the, the credit card companies. Right. And he sided with the credit card companies. And someone also mentioned that, after he announced the first thing he went to was a huge event with like big money players um, and things like that. So I, I kind of see people kind of framing him as sort of that. Right. Well, and then the whole kind of meme space and, you know, clips that we have now of him like fondling <laughs> women <laughs> yes. is, is, is ridiculous. So, I mean, I was a Biden supporter in the, the nature of how at that point he was framed and I understood him, which was uh-huh. like the blue collar Scranton, um, senator who was you know taking the train to to Washington. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, I kind of and I kind of vibed with that, like somebody that we could maybe use to kind of cut into this uh, Trump um, uh, supporter group and, and and enter some of those areas where they voted in the in the Rust Belt for for Trump that we could try to get some of those votes. But looking at him as a candidate, he's starting. He's less. I mean, he, <laughs> he already had a lot of strikes against him being you mm-hmm. know his age and. Of that generation, and, and I, I didn't actually look enough at his record, and the fact that there's so many things against, you know, minority populations, mm-hmm. and he voted for the war, and like, 
it, it was kind of a, a weird scenario to kind of go through over the last month now that it led up to his announcement. Like, literally, we <laughs> learned more about him in the three weeks before he announced. Right. <laughs> and everything we learned would basically tell you he shouldn't be running. Mm-hmm. And that all ended the other day. Now, three days ago on Thursday, uh, that it... Um, that he announced with his Instagram video. Like what was, where was the original? Pla- I don't Probably remember. his website. Yeah. Like Joe Biden, 2020.com or something. I don't even know if that's what it is. They better have at least bought that website. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. So yeah, Biden is officially in the race. We'll see what that, you know, does. Um, yeah, man. And I mean, I guess call back to our last uh, podcast where we were kind of talking about, um, you know, my position that I wish, I wish we had a more, um, evident leader who mm-hmm. was, who was going to be able to then kind of start the framing of this race against Trump. And, and then you kind of told me about, you know, your understanding of the process and how these Democrats kind of have to mold their message through the kind of passage of the campaign process itself. It mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, makes them have to kind of fit what what needs to be there for the for the final push so i i'm and i'm looking at how biden is like folding so quickly that i'm just like <laughs> i don't even know what to expect and i mean also um uh egg or oh, Buttigieg, is how Buttigieg you say his name. uh from uh indiana his stock is dropping now that people are taking a closer look at his voting record yeah yeah yeah, it's very because I still I don't still I don't have a nuanced take yet on Buttigieg. Like I do think like image wise that he does have what people think of as electability, right? Um, and and if you think that's gonna win, then sure. But he I guess like he definitely said if you're a person who boycotts Chick Fil A because they give to um uh, against and like LGBTQ, yeah, tri- like yeah, and yeah. And then he says, like, no, he, he called he called that virtue signaling, which yeah, it is. But I mean, like, it's it's one of those like virtue signaling is a pejorative used on the right, so it's kind of like, <sighs> but you know, people do it for a reason, right? right like, it right. has an impact. Well, and it, it has a meaning now because people mm-hmm. used it so much for that that yeah. people think it's a word we use now mm-hmm. as a common. So now people call out actual virtual signaling, you know, that mm-hmm. people are doing, and so now we have this mix of like, <laughs> which is something we've talked about before with the words they used mm-hmm. you know um and 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 i and i don't want to go into the pc culture debate but you know our language it, it's changing as it always has yes. language is a is a is it's a, mutable yeah it, it adjusts over time mm-hmm. but um we're in a very interesting point on that mm-hmm. where yeah you can get ownership of a word by a um uh, by a, basically a party at this point, you know, like by mm-hmm. by an election group or or a, a group of like minds that that takes fire and then gets kind of muddied in the waters because people hear it and they use it and they're in those circles. Maybe they're not as administratable in those circles. They're not the ones making the choices. Oh, of course. But they're around that area and then they get back into our world. They're at our universities or they're mm-hmm. around our cities or you know they're they're on our channels that we see. Um, and, and we can hear these words being used and that's kind of what's, what's interesting with like the term virtual signaling, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's basically, it's similar to cuck holding and all (laughs) these, all these other, what's the other ones? Uh, Snowflake. Yeah. That's what they call us. They call us, you know, it's It's so (laughs) weird, man. Language is weird, man. It, it definitely is. Like, definitely in this age of, like, I guess starting 2015, 2016-ish, um, in the whole, like, you know, attack on liberal institutions, like, things that, like, think liberally. Uh, it, it's been interesting, like, what pejoratives have been used and what people... And, and the thing is, that I, I have experience with people who believe that thing wholeheartedly right right like they believe in an earnest they believe that there is some postmodernist and neo-marxist individuals who are literally trying to bring people down when they're just like we just want a better life for people right like it's not like there, there's no conspiracy it's like these will give better lives for people we want that right and but there is one thing that like as a leftist that i am and you've mentioned this before when you're like we've got to talk to the other side and being a leftist i'm like ew no <laughs> but, <laughs> like, but then I, I watched this new youtuber i think it's like vosh or something vidya vosh or something okay and 
And he he like he critiques reactionaries by watching their videos and streaming it on YouTube and Twitch. And he was definitely like, well, like the problem is leftists hate everybody, right? They even hate the like the de- they hate the Democrats, they hate the centrists, and they hate like definitely in the Republicans. He's like he understands that because there are reasons to hate all of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the problem with that is that Republicans they're like. They don't hate anybody. Don't be like, oh, yeah, no, come over to our side. Like, we're unabashedly fucked up, but, hey, we own that shit, right? And, <laughs> and then I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. And then so he's all like, so if you want people to bring over to your side, you have to give them the space to make mistakes. And I'm like, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I recognize that, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I know. As a centrist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I call myself a moderate, but I guess that's what we're we're, we're disguising that other term. <laughs> well, like I think there there are some people who pose as centrists online, like Sargon of Akkad, but they basically kowtow to every Republican stance, so it oh, really right. seems yeah. like they're not centrists. Yeah. And then there's this one McSweeney's thing I shared that's like a like a satire on feckless centrism, which is more of that of like Kamala Harris or you know, uh, kind of or like. Beto O'Rourke or uh, or even Joe Biden, where it's kind of like, yeah, no, we get like there's some liberal things you like, but as soon as it gets hard, you go, but they're not that bad, and it's like, no, you have to be critical of them, like because they're bad, and, and that's where it kind of like that's why a friend of mine asked me the other day, aren't you a liberal? I'm like, no, I'm a leftist. <laughs> it's like okay, and like if I said I, like before, I would have said I was a liberal. But right. like in American democracy, that mm, yes, I will vote that way. But like my political views usually don't fall under that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, more and more, if that's kind of coming the 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 way of the world, we we do have a shot that if one day we might switch to a parliament, mm-hmm. because if more and more people are feeling that way, they're not militarizing it. We're not being militant in our mm-hmm. response, because that's what's kind of the scary thing right now. <laughs> Is you know the arming of 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 certain views you know people have they 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 side on that issue and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're the ones stockpiling all the weapons and that's just mm-hmm. weird you know which you know is something that's going to be an account going forward like if the Republican Congress comes back or if we we lose in twenty twenty mm-hmm. we being anybody else I guess at this point is, <laughs> is this the Homer Simpson election. Is this the like we needed someone else? <laughs> and, and they're like, I think it can be. Yeah, I think most people. Uh, well, I don't know if I should say most people, but I think the people who are heavily against Trump, and I think there's a lot more people against Trump now than there were in 2016, because I think apathy was part of the reason why he got elected too. I think that apathy for some folks are gone, but some folks are still apathetic. And if you think people are apathetic, like send them to our show. Like I want to make people less apathetic about, you know, getting Trump out of office. That's the whole reason why I wanted to have a segment called This Week in Fake News. So you can right. see all the fucked up shit Trump is doing. Or and not even just that, just like how much fucked up shit his uh his cabinet and the people he's elected or not elected, but like put into office and or put into like different positions of power and how they're messing things up. Like, if you've listened to the show in the past, you know how much I hate Mick Mulvaney, and that's one of the reasons, because he's, like, definitely, like, I'm pro-Trump, I'm gonna fuck this shit up. Like, anyway. Yeah. Well, um, I think that at least summarizes uh, our call, or, yeah, callback segment. Yeah. So since this is kind of getting into uh, the nuances of our of our age, we can bring it forward. Uh, this is episode. I have now lost track. Yes, I have to. So, I think so it's 73. 73. <laughs> 73. Okay. Okay. It happened again. We were on it for a minute right. there. And then we're like, what happened? Now what happened? Yeah. Once, once you get past 69, you stop focusing. Again. <laughs> you know, that's uh that's a motto of the show. Uh, yeah. So episode 73 here in a late April. Uh, we have made it through the April showers. And we're starting to see some of May's flowers. Right. In just a few days, it's gonna be May. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> May Day. May Day. Oh, man. Oh, um, yeah. That reminds me that May Day is usually a weird day that you got to watch your ass in Seattle. Well, not really. Just like people like to 
like militant anarchists like to show their ass on uh, May Day in Seattle. Oh, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> Solid me known. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're there. And, uh, and obviously as we've been talking about the, the political kind of landscape is, uh, still kind of building towards 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're coming up on a summer that's probably going to, we'll see a lot more barnstorming as it were, you Mm -hmm. know, traveling the country and, uh, and, and giving out speeches. We'll start to identify more of their positions. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I oh. think there's a few out there now that we can talk about, like Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren and her canceling student debt. Right. Um, Andrew Yang just has a whole list of them that he lists. Like, I started prioritizing the presidential candidates in my Facebook feed. Okay. Uh, so I've been seeing some of the things they've been putting out. Uh, Andrew Yang's actually coming to Seattle uh, at Gasworks Park, I think, uh, this upcoming Friday. Okay. I need to see if I can get some tickets and maybe I can record some audio or something we can use or something. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I need to head to that. Uh, let me see. There's Bernie. Like the big ones that I heard in the news so far came from Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren in the uh, uh, college debt thing and Bernie Sanders and prisoners being allowed to vote are the two that's kind of like in the news sphere right now. Uh huh. So so yeah, I mean like. I'm on the left, so of course I'm like, yeah, give prisoners the right to vote. And I've actually had some long conversations with people because the way I see it now, from like who I've talked to and seen like critiques of it, it's it's people who wholeheartedly think people like prisoners should have the right to vote. There's people who think some prisoners should have the right to vote, but other prisoners shouldn't have the right to vote. And some people who think no prisoners should have the right to vote. And and I get where people are coming from when they think some prisoners should have the right to vote. Uh, but the reason, like, if, if our criminal justice system was perfect, uh, and the justice was served for people and people were like prosecuted at the rate in which those crimes actually happen, then I would agree with that, but they're not. Uh, and I was looking through a bunch of data, like the surveys that, uh, some, uh, I forget the specifics. It's a government, uh, agency that collects the data and such. And there's definitely, like, a whole lot of people in jail for drugs. And when it comes to the federal level, like, the majority of people are in jail for drugs. Like, at the state level, I couldn't really find much data about the holistic view of who's in jail for what. But it seemed like, at least in the data from who got arrested and who got prosecuted in 2016 and 2017, uh, there were... Equal amounts of people who were in jail for, uh, who are were arrested and prosecuted and then put into jail for violent crimes, and, and violent crimes. I think they framed it as like armed robbery, murder, assault, or no, it was, it was murder, robbery, and assault, and as much as there were for people for drug convictions. And this was a combination of a. Uh, private and public prisons both at the state and federal level so i was like okay and so i'm like and and that's why i take like aoc stance on it where it's like it's more representative that people were wrongly accused or not wrongly accused i should say but like like there's a lot of people who are in jail for drug offenses for small drug offenses like having a gram of weed because weed is super, weed is super legal still in a lot of places and then they go to jail for a long time for that. Right. And plus actually finally finishing the serial podcast, you can definitely see how many people actually don't go to trial and just get plea deals. And and then once you get the plea deal, like you may go to jail, but go to jail for a short amount of time. You might be on parole, but then you're like, you know, highly under the microscope. So there's a lot of things surrounding the criminal justice system that I do think needs to be fixed. And I don't. And and then someone did bring up a bring up a good point of asking why not fix the criminal justice system and let them uh, pay their debt to society the way it's like, you know, idealistically supposed to be when it comes to criminality and going right. to jail and i'm like mm, that's too idealistic because that's not how it's implemented right now like justice right. isn't an implementation of our justice system and and i've go and i've talked about that before but i think i'll come back probably with a callback with like a much better much more nuanced and you know 
like backed up by the fact that I can cite and stuff, right? Because right now everything I'm sound sounds like anecdotal hearsay. So it's well, like, yeah, but not really. I because mean, <laughs> we see it happening, and then like obviously as marijuana laws are changing in different states, we're seeing um, you know the processing of the criminals that they already had and like how do they, you can't just let them all out one day, but probably should let a bunch of them out or Mm -hmm. all of them, you know, ultimately. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been an interesting issue. And I think that's almost part of the, the, like, which is sad. Uh, some of these States that are dragging their feet heading towards that. Mm -hmm. That's one of their issues is like thinking in their heads, how many of those criminals they might have to consider releasing. Yeah, that are under their care, and in that, in those, that's just kind of where they've always been. And when we've already talked about how um, those systems being privatized are now, um, you know, they make a lot of money. Oh yeah, and so uh, that becomes an issue because you're you're looking at a state's <laughs> economics, mm-hmm. and you know, as I've kind of gone through life, I've learned that you know, location, location, location's real. <laughs> it should is. be somewhere. But incentive, incentive, incentive. <laughs> yes. Is is the real answer. The and, convict lease system is real. <laughs> yeah. And so when you see money, uh, you know, it's hard to take it away from people. People don't usually give that up. Even if it means, you know, changing people's lives and mm-hmm. improving your state's criminal justice system for the better. And Ultimately, yeah, we should look at the criminal justice system. Um, I think they all should vote. Um, I don't think. I think. What are you going to have? Eighty murderers on death row? <laughs> like, change your government? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what topsy turvy system do you think this is? Yeah, yeah, like that's the thing too. Like every time someone goes against it, they bring the most like extreme cases. Like, do you want the? the Boston bomber to vote, right? Sure. Right? Do you want rapists to vote? And when people said that, I'm like, most rapists do vote because most rapists go unprosecuted. Right. Right? You mean yeah. un- you mean prosecuted rapists when you say that, but people forget adjectives exist, but it's a whole nother thing. Right. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, they vote already, like, because they out there, right? They free as a bird, so you don't really mean that. <laughs> and so, yeah. and I didn't even make that defense. I've seen other women make that defense. Like, what do you mean? rapist voting like most of them don't get prosecuted i'm like that's true shit yeah yeah well and that and so 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 yeah obviously everyone should vote like who cares you're not gonna have like it's just not it's not gonna change it's yeah i mean and then the other thing is ultimately yeah do change the the criminal justice yeah exactly like criminal justice reform is definitely a long an arboreous process because there's so many interconnected webs of systems yeah. that work in concert with each other explicitly and implicitly and you you have to like tackle them simultaneously if you're gonna really bring it down because right. right now that that that's happening like definitely sean king uh who i know some people dislike and and they have their reasons i get it uh but i think he does a really good job of focusing on uh criminal justice as his like niche in political in the political sphere and which group is he with um he i don't know his political affiliation right now he does have a new podcast called um oh the breakdown okay uh and he if you want to follow him on social media he has something called the north star and they're always bringing up things about police brutality um, and just other instances where criminal justice reform uh, uh, is very important. And I think he still has the Justice Pack, which is we've mentioned before in the show, which is about uh, changing uh, attorney generals uh, so they can do it at least at the prosecur- uh, prosecutorial level. So, so yeah. Right. He's a good resource to look at if, you're, if criminal justice reform is your political niche. Right. <clears throat> well, um, yeah, and I mean that's the ultimately uh, the the criminal justice system I think could be fixed if we ended the federal war on drugs. Yep, you know I think you could uh, save a lot of money in a lot of different agencies and a lot of different time um, if you just did that, and you know. Ultimately, it it might solve some. Uh, it might be safer than all these wars in these other countries because there's a chance some of that would have saved some of these political mm-hmm. um, problems we've had in like Latin America and the Caribbean. And um, yeah, I think uh, 
I think that's a start to, to fixing that criminal justice because you take away some of the power of some mm-hmm. of those corrupt agencies and those corrupt policing in those areas immediately, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, I think, I think that was a politically motivated, um, federal act to begin with. And mm-hmm. so oh, definitely. I think it's ran as a, um, a, a, a poor piece of legislation and, and, and authoritarian power by our government of probably the highest magnitude. It's probably one of the worst. It's probably causes the most damage, mm-hmm. you know, it's ruined lives all over the fucking Western hemisphere, right? Probably further. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that would be a start, and then the other part would be, you know, um, working with the the these groups that are now like getting lawsuits against these gerrymandering states. Oh yes, I'm so glad that's happening. And uh, and and there's a chance, you know, um, people get an honest chance to vote in some of these places, and we actually get a, a different political landscape. I mean, there's ways this political map can change. You know, populations mm-hmm. moving people changing their ideals and their their mindsets about those ideals mm-hmm. uh and then you know there's changing the maps themselves right uh and and how they're politically drawn up um yeah it's going to be an interesting probably 25 years you know oh I mean? yeah it's going to take a while for a lot of those uh major changes but we're going to do each of the steps and we're going to be talking about them while we're doing these podcasts cuz right now it's like we're talking about the the run up for the for the leader of the Democratic Party against Trump mm-hmm. in 2020, uh, you know, there's uh, probably some Senate seats, some governorships that are going to be coming up in that same mm-hmm. time frame. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot in in your state right now. There's going to be elections probably just this you know November. Mm-hmm. They're going to have you know different ballot measures and different things, and those systems are on the ground right now you know they're there and so you know there are places you can go to help get an initiative passed or some legislation passed or you know a redistricting proposal passed or Mm -hmm. all these different things um that could be going on right now that you don't see in the national news because it doesn't ever really hit the the legislative level you know oh yeah it it just kind of stays at the at the at the popular fringe and and honestly for the last two and a half years just around trump mm-hmm. oh yeah no for sure you know so but yeah take a look at all that and and you know get yourself politically uh motivated and activated in in some politics that you might actually see some positive change in. Mm-hmm. like when you're working on those levels on those local levels and those state levels um, getting stuff done is just as hard as it is for everything else, but uh, the likelihood that because you're in the area that has the change happening, you might actually get the people in the minds to vote. You know, you can see, you can actually see the fruits of your labor there. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, it always feels kind of like a crapshoot when we, when we put our energies into these federal elections. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. And in most things, yeah, and most things change at like either the state or local level. So yeah. Yeah, especially like and and laws are created mostly the same way at the state level as they are at the federal level, like they're in committee, even at the local level. Right. Like like at the local level, it's in committee. um, And then after a committee, it goes to the vote for the council. And then if the council votes it through, then it gets signed into law by the mayor or the mayor vetoes it. Right. And for governors, it's like governorships usually have state houses like. Con- or a state congress they have the house of representatives yeah. and a senate yeah and there's only one that's a uh, unicameral uh which yeah. one is that nebraska oh interesting yeah they they have a combined house and senate oh that's yeah. pretty cool but i think it's just the house oh okay it's, i mean is what it is essentially but it basically does both oh okay nice yeah. and then uh everyone else has two Boom. Right. Poli Sci 101. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, because there's things here in Washington where I'm like, we got to change things at the state level. And I always point to, like, like Washington has some archaic laws. And I say archaic laws. They come from the 1930s. And some of their old archaic laws, like, for a long time, you could not do online banking in the state of Washington because of laws from the 1930s. And I was like, what? Wow. Yeah. They finally changed it. But I was like, oh, God. 
That's interesting. Yeah. And like, so in, in Seattle's particular case where things like rent stabilization through say rent control is illegal because of statues from the 1930s, like a lot of, yeah, a lot of problems we have can't needs to be alleviated at the state level. But I've talked about this before when we've talked about, uh, uh, the mayors and I'm only bringing it up now because I think people have a lot of ire towards our city council and I don't have as much ire towards our city council because I know how t- high, how much their hands are tied based on what you're permitted to do at the state level. I think they're inept. I think, <laughs> I think I think the Seattle city council is inept. It's dysfunctional. And I've I've seen a more functional council when I lived in Portland. Uh, it, it only had, um, you know, it's a smaller city, uh-huh. but I just see it is there. It's poor planning by on their part. Um, they've lost the, um, the stitching togetherness mm-hmm. of neighborhoods. Neighborhoods all just want to be on their own at this point. Oh, Nobody wants to be in Seattle. Think about it. Oh. Cause Seattle has this collective problems, you know, like home, the homeless crisis is mm-hmm. in Seattle and it's in most neighborhoods, Oh no, it's but, definitely it's, is. but it's not in all neighborhoods. And when you start talking about those type problems, it, mm-hmm. it actually starts dividing those those neighborhoods out of the city structure as far as like um, where they see their needs are being met. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in Portland, you see less of that because they have this office in the actual city hall called oh, okay. Office of Neighborhood Involvement, oh. where all the 95 autonomous neighborhoods have a desk. Oh. And essentially, you can just walk over to the representative uh, of that other neighborhood and be like, Hey, uh, you got this situation going on, you know? And, and then they have their neighborhood association headquarters somewhere within the, you know, area of the the neighborhood itself. Huh. And then those neighborhoods themselves have created coalitions. Oh. So there's neighborhood coalitions. So like when I was doing my grad work, I was volunteering with, um, the Northeast Neighborhood Coalition. Mm-hmm. And so it was a collection of uh, nine of the neighborhoods in North and Northeast Portland. Okay. And so they had collective issues about a very certain road. The MLK is actually a busy road in, uh-huh. in Portland. It actually ran all the way through kind of the area that we were looking at. And so they had to kind of discuss about the widening project and, mm. then, you know, um, the sidewalk um improvements that would come along with that and kind of the timing of that. And like the neighborhood had a lot of say in what was going to be allowed and in what time periods. And yeah, it was interesting to see that you don't see that when you watch any videos of the Seattle city council. Oh, not at all. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't know. So I think they're inept. I think, I think it's because it's such a wealthy city. It sold its soul to the corporations 20 years ago and it's never looked back mm-hmm. and they're all on the take. Everyone's on the take because it's gotta be that Seattle's cool. We're fun. Your favorite music was from here. We got good <laughs> coffee. Look at those whales. Everything's great. And they just keep stacking you with the like glitz and glamor. And it's so funny that our nickname our whole time has been the Emerald City. Oh, yeah. Because we're becoming the metaphorical Emerald City. That's true. That not everything that, you know, glitters is gold. Right. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing with this city council. Now, I don't put it on their heads, as like you said, Mm -hmm. but I do know what they do have power over. So, Mm -hmm. But I don't put everything that is a problem because the state does have issues. Counties. Yeah. Counties are traditionally... Um, uh, less funded than than major cities. Mm-hmm. So you'll have these kind of disparities. It's the truth in Portland, Portland, Multnomah, um, Seattle, King. King's a little wealthier, I think, but mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, other other counties that are in areas that have cities, like the county has all this burden. Yeah, because they're tied into like emergency services and roads that go between counties and mm-hmm. things. And so, um. That's another area where people kind of don't really look at or they might ignore that can, you know, affect them more than their city council and, mm-hmm. and more than um, voting for a president. So, Oh, yeah, because yeah, I come from Philadelphia and Philadelphia is a weird instance where the city is the county. Right. Like, so the whole confi it is. It, yeah. 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 <laughs> so borders match border. Mm-hmm. OK. Philadelphia County is Philadelphia, the city. Okay. So like there's no disparity there. But yeah, I haven't. Like, I know about the difference between, well, I know, like, 
not fundamentally, but just like the idea of the difference between uh, King County and Seattle itself. But I don't know exactly who has jurisdiction over what and, and so on. So, yeah, that'd be interesting for me to look up to see what they can do, because I do. I haven't yet looked at any of the city council races yet. I usually wait until we're closer to the primary election to start doing that, because then most people's stuff is out there already. I can get like a a clear, holistic view of what their ideas are, see who they've interviewed with and everything like that. So but I might do that a little bit earlier because I've there's some people like my progressive friends are they definitely have candidates that they're for. And uh, I don't know if my more like liberal friends, if they have candidates they're for. Plus, like it might be cool to get people on the show who are from different districts. Like we're both in the same district. We're in like the is it the north? You know, it's like the North Seattle district. Yeah, isn't North Seattle just like one big conglomerate district? Yeah, and and I think Deborah Juarez is our uh, current right. Uh, and, and then we have a piece of both at large because yeah. there's a two at large. Yeah, yeah, I think that's Lorena and. Uh, Oh gosh, I forget. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> and I'm sure, and I'm sure she has, but she doesn't have the authority to even really deliver the services we need. Yeah, know? she just has a viewpoint, which is helpful for the council. I think, I think, th- I think it's a it's a good try, and I think it's interesting that they recently tried to remodel it, mm-hmm. and it and and in my mind, it didn't really work. Um, I think in Portland, all the Council members are at large. Oh, okay. Um, but then they're assigned um, a portion of the government. Oh, that's so you'll have like a transportation council member. Oh, and a, an education council member, and uh, you know, and so then um, they focus on those things, but then they come together for the for the city issues. Okay, and then you have the mayor who has equal vote to the other council members. Yeah, really what you're saying is people moved to Portland. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, man. It was great. It was good. It, I mean, it, it was a good study for because I was literally studying um, urban politics. And um, at the time, it was a really good case study because it's done a little differently than everything. And it's not a perfect scenario for all cities. But it's a, it's a bigger city than people actually give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a lot done with what it has. And it is a model I do think you could um ramp up i think you could do what portland did in san francisco you know and maybe even a los angeles Mm -hmm. i i mean and i honestly think like we we need to you know maybe take a a a dive into that and and actually kind of educate ourselves a little bit about like what since we're on the west coast what's los angeles facing you know what are their numbers that are similar to ours Mm -hmm. but like how are they different and how are they facing those issues because it's interesting to see kind of where seattle is going as a city Mm -hmm. that's kind of the model for on the west coast just getting super huge right spreading out you know um what what is that you know what what pro- what problems can we foresee that we can get ahead of the curve on mm-hmm. instead of being these kind of reactive um you know trying to problem solve through reaction as opposed to pre but uh yeah I, you know we'll <laughs> we'll see and i mean we have it pretty good seattle yeah. seattle's a good city everything runs pretty well i mean we you know um <laughs> We did just have a, a, a tragedy yesterday where a crane fell. Oh yeah, which um, you know we've been we've been kind of touting these cranes for the last ten years. You know, mm-hmm. you know, right now we have sixty active construction cranes in the city of Seattle core itself, and it's the most of any city currently. And uh, yesterday there were some um, kind of out of the blue winds mm-hmm. that came through, and they were coming through in uh, it was like late morning. I think, or early afternoon. Yeah, it was early afternoon. And uh, and they would, like, you know, just blow really hard for 45 seconds, a minute, two minutes, and then it would kind of calm down. But it was gusted. Like, it would blow your hat off, your head. You know? Oh, shit. And so I, I was kind of like, oh, wow. And it was like, oh, this would be a good day to fly a kite. You know, like, <laughs> and then I come home, and I literally had just logged on to Google, and I always kind of click the news tab just to kind of see what's going on. So mm-hmm. I'm like just aware ahead of it, you know, if I could be before I'd like actually Google what I Google. And the first thing was like, you know, four minutes ago coverage is crane fell. Oh shit. And yeah. So it was on top of the Google, um, project down there in South Lake union. Oh, okay. And, oh. and it fell right across, I think Mercer. Yeah. And that's a big ass road. It's a main road here. Yeah. And so, um, they had four people that died and, 
you know, I hope, you know, their families are doing okay and, oh, yeah. and they can, you know, deal with that. It was, you know, it was, it was a loss of life. There was multiple injuries. Some people were lucky and got out. Mm-hmm. Um, the two crane operators passed, they fell. So yeah, it, it was, uh, it was an interesting news story though, for a city that kind of prides itself on its expanding culture. Like mm-hmm. we're getting bigger, we're doing better, you know? And this is kind of, and they were, uh, there's reports they might've been disassembling the crane. Oh, okay. And, you know, and then these gusts came through, like, you know, there's going to be a, uh, you know, a look into this and we'll, we'll get answers over the next few months, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of one of those things of like, sometimes it's like too much too quickly. Oh yeah. You know, um, you know, we need we need some definite higher safety standards, and those cranes have always seemed precarious. Mm-hmm. You know, like as far as like how many they get up and where they squeeze them in. I mm-hmm. mean, sometimes they'll literally just build a box into the road and like oh, shit. Okay. put like the thing around it uh. and then leave the lane next to it open. So you're literally literally driving around a crane. Yeah, and I think I also saw an article that talked about that uh, crane operators aren't treated well. Like, they don't get ample bathroom breaks, or they, they're overworked and everything. I need to read the specifics of it, but if that was the, if that was the headline and that's what they were reporting on, I'm like, oh, yeah. that might also contribute to the problem. Well, and they might have been um, iron worker union, so they might have just been the people that were dismantling the crane. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, the term crane operator and the term... Iron worker has been used since the story broke. So mm. um, I don't know the specifics of which part of it um, they worked for, but uh, there was a statement from the Iron Workers Engineering Union. Okay. So that, I guess, you know. But you're right. The actual crane operators themselves that are up in the bubble, the little booth, mm-hmm. like dealing with the weights and measurements and pulling the pulleys and making them come up. Um, yeah, they have a tough job, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they get, you know, they've been paid really well. Like a friend of mine was trying to recruit me to do that. I want to say 15 years ago Oh shit! and they were making like 25 an hour then Damn. starting, you okay. know, and that he was like within like a year or two, it's like 50 and all that. Shit. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they might maybe even more now. So, um, so it was always a good job opportunity for those guys, but it's, you know, it's scary and mm-hmm. it's legitly dangerous, you know? Um, definitely we'll have to look into more of that and hopefully we'll bring it back for a, uh, a more deeper. Yeah. Look, yeah. find to figure out. Yeah. Cause I, I'm curious, you know, how dangerous it is for them and what, what their conditions are and mm-hmm. yeah. What kind of a job that is comparatively, you know, to, 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 since it's so integral to, uh, modern progression kind of world that we live in, it's like, for sure. How fast can you build a skyscraper is like, right. Especially with, like, the whole density issue that Seattle has. Right. Like, yeah. So, so yeah, it's definitely something we got to watch out for because, you know, we will have to build more if we want to make Seattle affordable. If you don't want to make Seattle affordable, I guess you don't want to build more. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, lighter topic. Uh, we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. Shout out to my Portland Trailblazers. That's right. That's Damian shot. Lillard draining the shot that's over shot. Paul George. To end a series against the Oklahoma City Thunder, Mr. Damian Lillard, you are the goat of the Blazers in my book. Uh, he's taking us where we need to go. We need to get a title with him. Oh, sure. You know. But, you know, our previous best player, uh, Clyde Drexler, he didn't have a title. So, like, oh, shit. He didn't play on a title team. He lost to uh, 92. I think he lost to the Bulls. Oh, wow. Um, and so he didn't get a title, and he's pretty much always been considered the best Blazer. So I can see oh, okay. Lillard now being considered – the best blazer of all time. It'd be nice to also get a title. Though. Yeah. Yeah. The previous blazer that of note that actually had a title would be uh, Mr. Bill Walton. If you know who Bill Walton, he calls games now. Father of Luke Walton, who's definitely in some <laughs> hot water right now. Why isn't Luke Walton in hot water? So Luke Walton uh, was uh, the assistant coach for the Golden State Warriors under uh, uh, Steve Kerr. And so when they won, uh, I think when they they were going for the uh, most wins in a season mm-hmm. record, um, Steve Kerr took like 18 games off 
because of uh, back issues. Oh, okay. And so over those 18 games, um, Luke Walton coached them, and mm. I think they went like 17 and one. Whoa. Yeah, and so Whoa. and then Steve Kerr came back, and they like and <laughs> they like you know finished that season with the best record, and like everyone was like, "Yo, Luke Walton's dope." And uh, and so the Lakers signed him the next year. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, they were like, "All right, we want him uh, as our head coach." And so he got signed as their head coach, and oh, he's been nice. coaching there for like four years. They just got LeBron. Oh wow! Yeah. And now LeBron didn't really like Luke. They didn't make the playoffs, so they got rid of Luke. Oh. And two days later, he got signed by the Kings. And then this week, um, there was a sexual assault allegation. Against him? Dating back to his Golden State days. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, shit. That was unreported and all this other stuff. And so it's like there's a full NBA investigation. So, yeah, Luke Walton's in some oh, wow. hot water. Uh, he was kind of the wonder kid of, of coaching there for a minute. Oh, shit. Wow. Um, well, but, alas, I wasn't <laughs> – T- telling the segment to put Luke Walton on blast, but <laughs> I mean... uh, unscripted tele- <laughs> television. Yeah, soon, soon to come. That's the secret. This is actually TV, guys. You're watching this. Thanks for watching. Uh, and uh, so NBA playoffs. We've got we've got my my awesome uh, Blazers going up against uh, the Denver Nuggets. Okay. Tomorrow is the first game of that series. Uh, Boston and Milwaukee were playing as we record this. Uh, I'm not sure what the score and that is. Uh, and uh, and so it continues. Uh, it's exciting. I love that TNT has part of the broadcast. You get that Shaq Barkley combo. Oh, nice. You oh, know? wait. So Golden State isn't even in i just didn't mention them okay yeah golden state <laughs> uh oh no because i thought we were like are, like are we in the quarterfinals or the semifinals it's 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 they're going to the semifinals of their conferences okay okay so they go semifinals and then they go finals of conferences okay and then they go finals oh, okay. okay yeah 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 so um yeah i just wasn't sure if there was eight teams left or four teams left so i think there's eight okay. yeah there's gonna be eight uh and then they um so yeah golden state warriors uh just got past the la clippers okay and so i think they're facing houston oh so that's going to be an interesting matchup obviously defending champions back to back with durant a lot of talk about durant signing with another team next year oh shit you know Kevin there was durant. talk of joining you know uh uh, I was about to say Jordan. Whoa, slip, slip of the tongue. Uh, LeBron down in uh, down in uh, uh, LA. LA, but but there's also talk of him signing and becoming a Nick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, going going to New York. Uh, so a lot of talk in the NBA, but NBA playoffs continue. They're so great, and I I think they're great because uh, it's one of the only sports where the fans actually have some like the fans make a difference. Uh-huh. These loud ass basketball stadiums like they they affect what's happening on the court. That's you know? true, I and mean, especially when you get that as active fan bases that know when to say the defense chant, uh huh, and then when to get loud and like yeah, it's 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 pretty cool to have. And then they're on the court. I mean, like fans are on the court, like floor seats. Are, oh yeah. On the court. So it's like, you're right there. Um, and then it's the, the, it's the kind of best example of individualism meets teamwork mm-hmm. because like, like soccer for me is like just a straight up team game. Uh huh. You know, like even maybe the goalie is like the closest thing to an individual sport is just being a goalie. Mm-hmm. It's like you versus every, everyone else. But the, the sport itself is, is mostly a team. You need all these other players. Basketball, you technically can dribble coast to coast and just dunk it every time and not even try to pass. Oh yeah. So there's definitely an individual aspect. But the team aspect is usually what marks for a better team. Oh yeah. In in the playoffs. You gotta have the pick and roll. The pick and roll can exist without it to you. Yeah, you gotta have the pick and roll. You gotta have the extra pass. Right. Yeah. You know, you know? It's like how did you get the extra pass invented? Well, a guy passed it to one guy, right? Yeah, and then he passed it to the other guy, and you're like, That guy's gonna shoot. He doesn't, he passes. <laughs> <laughs> that guy shoots. Like Yeah, and like it's fun. It's fun. Um, the cities are different, you know, there's smaller market teams out there. The NFL doesn't have, um, you know, and so it's kind of a, it's a closer example of America. Um, and like what we stand for is like different styles of play and Mm -hmm. like different, 
uh, people and, and then the teamwork aspect and the individualism and, and it, and the playoffs because they play series. Mm-hmm. So it, it all of a sudden becomes like baseball, Yeah, you know, where they have to play these series and, and, and all the tension of like being up against the ropes, but having a chance mm-hmm. to come back, right? you know, a game seven, like every oh, sport that has seven. a game seven, like you can't, you got to love a game seven. Yeah. <laughs> like, like even the Stanley Cup's happening right now. Shout out to NHL, you know. Yeah. They just had like three game sevens in the previous uh, round, and it, they were all exciting. Capitals just got upended by the Carolina team. Oh, so shit. the defending champs, uh, Capitals, the Nationals. Excuse me. Uh, wait, no, the Nationals is the baseball team. Yeah, Capitals. <laughs> uh, and they um. Yeah, and, the, and with Ovechkin is like their their leader. Okay, they lost in a double overtime game seven. Oh shit! Yeah, but yeah, game sevens in the NBA playoffs. Um, great coaches, you know, coach. That's the other part. The impact of a coach on basketball. Oh yeah, you know, is way bigger than like NFL because of calls and plays. Yes, but like it's like a coaching team. Mm-hmm. But the actual like the coach. Yeah, it's like yeah, basketball has a lot, and 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 he can like. It also has storylines of you have bench players that make a bigger difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hear a lot about the football bench. Oh, yeah, no. You know, like, only when someone gets hurt. Right. But like in basketball, they're like, this guy played four games in the in the, in the main season. Mm-hmm. He got he got 19 minutes total. Like, <laughs> and he's coming out in game seven. <laughs> and it's like in this storyline, this it, the, it changes the DNA of a player. They could come out and score 14 all of a sudden. Yeah. And they're like, what? Um because people definitely play harder and play with more purpose during the playoffs. During the playoffs, the fan base is more amped. They paid yeah. more for tickets. So yep. that, yeah, yeah. Because I've been to a basketball game or two, and but never to a playoff game. So yeah, yeah, I've been to a few playoff games. They're exciting. It's kind of one of those situations where once you go, you kind of want to go every year. <laughs> so nice. I told myself this year I won't be mad at myself um, if I don't go to the first two rounds. But if they make the conference finals, or, oh shit! And it's against like Golden State. Oh shit! Or we make the final. I'm going to. I'm going to a game in each of those. Like I just. It's just that's that's happening. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, yeah. it's Portland. It's super close. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, NBA playoffs are hot, and I and it, like I was get, saying, the TNT broadcasts it. And so yeah, you get that you get that Charles Barkley Shaq <laughs> look at those and oh like my God, those two are ridiculous. <laughs> Bar- Bar- Barkley, you're crazy. <laughs> like and then and then he's always like he'll be like something something like Shaq and like has to bring Shaq into it no matter what he's talking about. Oh man, the two of them. Oh gosh. Yeah, uh, and so so it all it's just it's fun. I guess that's the other part of it is it's fun. There is yeah, and there's showmanship. There's like uh-huh. dunks. You can like right. It, you can kind of you can get you a can style on people in the NBA. Yeah, yeah like, there's just some flex. <laughs> like you style on people in the NFL, you get a fine. Yeah, right. There really, really isn't styling on people in uh, what is it called? Any uh, hockey? Yeah, like you know, people get it through like the five hole, or you know, they they do like around. Like what I find interesting about hockey is you can go around the goal. Yeah, they don't do that thing where they like, hook it around yeah. the goal. Yeah, right. So there's that, but like. When it comes to like swag, like the NBA has the most swag out of like the big five sports. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You dunk on someone. I mean, they have a term called posterizing. Yes. Because <laughs> they're like, man, someone's laying down next to you taking a photo just then right. of that moment. Yes. <laughs> and it's about to be a poster. Yeah. So, but yeah, NBA playoffs, is, it's tight. And it yeah, always leads to the to the finals, which is uh, also usually a good show, mm-hmm. uh, despite the dominance by Golden State over the last five years. And then the dominance of Miami the years before that. Yeah, so we've sure. gone through some dynasties lately. Uh, I would love to see these Blazers make it. But, uh, it. but catch yourself a game. You might find yourself enjoying it. You know, the, uh, the drama, the intrigue, the comedy, the fun. Yep. Yeah. And, and bum, this bum, is a political bum, show, bum, and the NBA is allowed bum, to be way more political bum, than like the other bum, ones. Bum, 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 bum. Oh yeah, they support like open-mindedness and like right? political activism of their of their players, of right? Their asset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, 
So it is a, it is also more progressive in that way. Right. You know, and they've had their own scandals like about, you know, women working in the industry and, you know, different um money related and obviously they had the ref scandal and mm-hmm. but but and I think it's the clo- the one that wants to change. Like mm-hmm. it'll probably progress faster and oh, actually for sure. react to those changes. Um yeah. So shout out to NBA, the multinational monopoly corporation. I guess just <laughs> might need our help, so we're giving them a shout out. But uh, but enjoy it um, if you can. And that was my little divergence from yeah. the political. Uh, anything to to get people fired up or, or that they should do or other topics you got there? Uh, Chaz I'm Bass. Trying to, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, other than like, I still need to watch the like. Now I'm kind of doing like my deep dive in the the presidential candidates. Uh-huh. Like I have some uh, post-it notes up in my room of candidates and. When I see information, I'm just going to, like, put information under it to try to get a good frame of things that are going on. Definitely need to try to get tickets to the Andrew Yang thing because Andrew Yang is definitely an interesting candidate. I don't know if he's, like, how much longevity he's going to have or, like, once the debates start happening, will he even be a part of them or anything? But he definitely is the one that's putting out a a very established platform uh, for president. Right. And... And it's definitely very interesting to see because I definitely know people who like maybe be considered like reactionary or on the right are definitely like behind him as a candidate uh, after Joe Rogan. And even with things like UBI and people being like, you just can't give poor people free money. Right. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I find I find him to be the most intriguing of the candidates because. Like, I feel like he is trying to do his presidential race differently than other people. Uh, so definitely see what people could learn from him, what they can take from him, uh, or if he'll gain prominence and be the candidate. I don't know if he will, but, you know, things yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, and, I, and I mean, yeah, keep keep track of your candidates um you know and i and i think my mind changes and and my thoughts change over time and i'm i'm definitely leaning towards the the idea of like at this point vote vote the candidate that speaks the best to you because uh-huh. honestly we need to make that become the thing that everyone does and we won't see these like nationalist leaders and we won't see for some people these socialist leaders we'll mm-hmm. see these people closer to some divide of the middle because we'll see people that have to answer to to our actual needs and desires and, and instincts as opposed to mm-hmm. to these kind of like swaying our minds where they make us think we we want this because uh-huh. we have these values so somehow we're tied to them because they hold those values when you know ultimately they don't yeah from now on i want to try for each episode to try to bring uh, Uh, a new policy initiative that someone's bringing forward. I think next week, because I just started reading about Kamala Harris and gun control. Yeah. Uh, So, and I know that's a hot button issue for lots of people. They're all problematic. (laughs) Like, can we say that right now? Like they're all problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like none of them, like some, they make the rock look like the best choice. (laughs) Like it's crazy. I'm about to go see this Hobbs and Shaw movie after seeing the trailer when I was watching the Marvel one. And like, Yo, like that. I, th- I think we should elect Hobbs and Shaw. Oh like, my god! You know, I don't. I don't think uh, Statham is a is a U.S. citizen. Can he be vice president? <laughs> I don't know. You can't legally run for president, but you can run for Senate, right? Yeah, I think if you're born, if you, as long as you have a citizenship, yeah. Yeah, I think because uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, no, he ran for governor. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you can run for governor. You might be able to run for senate. You may not yeah. be able to run for senate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the senate rules. Yeah. I know the senate rules are in our constitution, and I, and I think there's only like 27 for uh, the House of Representatives and 30 for the Senate. I think is the rule, but. But I don't know about. I know that citizenship is a rule for the presidency, but I'm not. I don't think for anything else it is, though. Right. Uh, you just have to be a U.S. citizen 
for at least nine years. Oh, be 30 years old. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. And be an inhabitant of the state you live in. There we go. Which would mean you've lived there since at least 30 days before the election. Oh. Dude, I want to see someone just fly into a state 30 days before. Be like, you guys got this whack-ass election. I'm Tim <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> and I'm here to say, vote for me, guys. I'm way better than these dudes. I've been here for like 30 days. <laughs> I love it. I think uh-huh. this place is great. <laughs> like, fuck these guys. Like, they've been talking about some crazy shit. I know you guys are like, I don't even know who you are. I get that. I've only been here a month, but I've got ideas. I'm 31 years old. I should totally do that. I should apply to some, you know, go to like Montana and be like, hey, yeah. yo, Montana. Yeah. I'm trying to be your governor. Why you, you, you are a city bumpkin. Look, I can run. Yeah. I have established yeah. my residency exactly. here 31 days ago. Yeah. So I can Listen, run. Listen, you may be saying, Tim Jefferson, how can you run for Senate after only living in our state for 31 years? And I say, I fucking don't know, but it's legal. <laughs> So, who the fuck cares? Vote for me. This shit's legal, and that's crazy. (laughs) What state am I in? Which one did I pick? North Carolina. All right. Vote for me, North Carolina, for your state's U.S. senator. Your state's U.S. senator. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. What if it was just, like, yeah, like, someone who lived in a totally different area, like, from Florida to Alaska, you know, like mm-hmm. I got, I got great water politics. I've lived near water. <laughs> um, you, uh, you guys are not mountainous, right? So I've lived by beaches. Oh, oof, can't talk about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I enjoy food. Uh, <laughs> this state's probably got a couple of restaurants, right? Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my man. God, yes. Tim Jefferson. Tim Jefferson, get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other than that, you should check out uh, Homecoming, that Beyonce film. That shit is lit, right? If you're a Beyonce fan, it's even more lit. If you're not a Beyonce fan, you probably will become one, right? It's <laughs> and, lit. And then check out Donald Glover's weird movie with Rihanna, that Guava Island. Guava Island, what? Yeah, that shit was weird. But hey, it was like it really was. It was like it was like an extended music video from uh, from like Is This America? Oh shit, and things like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's like a there's like a movie. It's like a album within a movie. It was really weird. But if you're gonna watch Beyonce Homecoming, you might as well watch well <laughs> watch this Guava Island. Um and definitely go watch uh, the Avengers movie. Yeah, Avengers Endgame. Is no spoilers, but it was emotional. It was emotional. It was <laughs> so, so emotional. Um, otherwise, you can find me on the interwebs at Sea Town Mayor, protecting your municipality by the sea. Because I've been here thirty-one days, folks, <laughs> and I'm here to be your mayor. You may be asking yourself. <laughs> Why Why can we elect Mikel as our mayor? Well, he moved here a month ago, <laughs> and he's interested in being our mayor. Oh, my God. Uh, you can give me a C-Town mayor and always uh, follow the show, rate, review us, give us give us a heads up. Tell us if we've talked about any of these topics. Tell us if you've uh, helped elect somebody or if you've uh, been elected yourself. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. At hylbox at gmail.com. Yes, That's sir. where you should send that stuff, <laughs> HYL box at gmail.com that's our email box for the show how you live in h-y-l box at gmail.com and chaz where can they get at you you can get me at chaz bass chaz underscore bass on the instagram chaz bass chaz underscore bass on the twitters i've been updating my instagram a little bit a little bit my twitter i still i still don't understand like twitter seems like we're all like the online drama happens yeah and part of me doesn't want to be a part of that online dramas i don't really like it only on there yeah it only feels like reaction in the moment like yeah. if i'm like this nba playoff game's crazy like that's <laughs> yeah. a twitter statement you know what i mean right and you might even get a like from the nba mm-hmm. <laughs> like Dwayne, they're yeah Oh, man. I did put on there, like, back when I was watching The Masked Singer, that I thought one of The Masked Singers was Ricky Lake, and it was Ricky Lake. So I was like, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. You <laughs> called out The Masked Singer. <laughs> right. All right. All right. That's... So, so there's that. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> and it was time stamped. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, January 14th. I was like, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we're going through a weird social media purge renaissance right now. Uh-huh. You know? like, <laughs> like, like Twitter and Facebook are like fighting against bots and like bad accounts, and mm-hmm. then and then uh, basically on Twitter, it's like you know ideological statements and now nudity and all these other things. So um, they're having to just they're banning people and mm-hmm. dropping people and and censoring things. So. Uh yeah, Twitter is Twitter is gassed right Twitter, now. Man. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 crazy out there, man. Hashtag nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing, like hashtags in general, like are like they've gotten lift, lifted to a level that's so high. Like it it was probably a joke just like five years ago to be like hashtag having fun, you know. Right? And now it's like they mean something, right? Like, political weight and like. Oh yeah, there's so much like. Like hashtag, there's hashtags for the days of the week that goes like there's like Monday motivations, like Wednesday wisdom, right? Side <laughs> like, boob Sunday. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, that's a different Twitter. I mean, no, side boob Sunday should be a thing because Americans are way too prude, right? Like, I, I mean, like it's funny that I'm a leftist, but like when it comes to like talking openly about like genitals and sex and bodily functions, I am not PC, <laughs> like. It is so, so. I find it very funny. Like, yeah, side boob Sunday. I'm all for side boob Sunday. Yeah, um, why not? I'm also for like I don't know, dick tip Tuesday or something. What? <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> and just to think, we almost got out of here without hearing that little piece of information, folks, for free on the interwebs. Check us out. Send us a letter to. Hylbox at gmail dot com. If you believe Dick Tick Tuesday <laughs> should be a thing, um, I'm voting no on that one. I'm coming out as saying I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to be inclusionary. You know, I, I believe all, it. I believe know, it. I believe it. You know, taboo instances. Yeah. And, and because like men showing nipples isn't like a big deal. I, we only got one. Think, one genitalia. I right? think so. I think maybe. <laughs> Maybe you could have gone with like side butt Saturday. Side butt, but everybody has a butt. I, well, right. So that, that makes it more of an inclusive thing, right? And, and I'm sorry, I misspoke. I said like men, like not all men have penises. I know this. I'm just saying. You know what I mean, people. Well, we, got, <laughs> like, uh, we got deep on the way out here. I like, know, right? I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to get out of here. I'm supposed to. Play uh, something. Um, <laughs> yeah, get a hold of us all. Uh, as always, uh, we appreciate you listening to the show. Um, we wouldn't be doing this without you, although right. we don't know you're there. So technically, we are doing this without you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Chaz, it's been a pleasure. It's been amazing. Good to see you, Miguel. Good to see you, dog. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys soon. Peace. Peace. I just been balling out every season. Know it's some niggas I left in the bleachers. I just been married to Double Cup. I gotta pull me a four inside another leader. Tie up the beds and then run it up. I gotta put the new bells inside of the freezer. Back at the trap, I was dugging them people. Dugging the birds, sending out the eagles. All of my diamonds gonna bust out the meter. I'm dripping water, nigga, Aquafina. Then that bitch cabin if she thinks.